you welcome all the way from Texas, Dr. Jack Graham. Well, thank you very, very much. It's, uh, it's, this is an awesome site, I got to tell you. And uh, we do have a number of students from Prestonwood and, of course, the Dallas area here. Let me hear all the Texas uh, crowd. Okay, all everybody from Texas. All right. <laughs> well, it is great to be here. I love you, love this university, what is happening here. It is a pleasure uh, not only to be on the board, but to pray for you and to invest in the life and the heart of this university. Um, you know, there's a sports writer in Dallas uh, that was, uh, his name is Frank Lexka, and several years ago he had a heart attack, and he was on the way uh, to the hospital, and he was right on the brink uh, between life and death. He got to the hospital, they were working on him, they asked him a few questions. Uh, they said, Mr. Lexka, do you smoke? And he said, uh, no, I quit. They said, oh, really, you quit? He said, yes, I quit. He said, when did you quit? He said, on the way over here. You know, when you're facing death, a lot of things change. And of course, we're made aware today with Dr. Heinsohn, a wonderful friend, of how fragile life can be. Just one turn, just like that. And, and suddenly you're in the throes of a, a fight for your life. And uh, Tim McGraw sings a song called Live Like You're Dying. How many of you know that song? Well, that, that's what I want to talk to you about today. Uh, Jack Nicholson's in a movie called The Bucket List. Jack. And you know what that movie's about, no doubt. These two old guys are facing the end. They're dying, and so they make a list before they kick the bucket of all the things that they want to do. Some of the things that they always planned to do, dreamed to do, thought they could do, never got done, and then the movie's about what they actually did. Well, in one sense, every one of us ought to have a bucket list. We ought to have such a purpose and a passion for life that we do and get to do everything that God is calling us forward to do. And really, that is what life is about. That's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now, let me remind you, Paul wasn't in the pulpit but he was in prison when he gave us those words. It's right out of the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 21. And to live like you're dying, when you know Christ, when Jesus is living in you, his life in you, then every day becomes an opportunity before you're done to live to the glory of God. I want to talk to you about this kind of life, about, about getting up every single day with a purpose and a reason and a passion for life, to live like you're dying. Because guess what? We're all dying. We're all mortal. We don't know when. We don't know what season we're in. But we're all on the clock. I love the fact that this university, so much of the nerve and the energy of this university is right here in this athletic arena where so many victories as well as some losses are experienced because uh, Christianity is a muscular faith. And the Apostle Paul often used illustrations from athletic competition. I, no doubt Paul was uh, watching ESPN Sports Center every night, uh, just you know, catching up on the sports details of his day because he often alluded to uh, the various kinds of athletic competition from wrestling to running and so on in his times. And, and, and Christianity uh, reminds us that there is a race to be run, run and we are to run it 
with everything that we have because we are on the clock. If you've ever been uh, in, a, in a game where, uh, and, you know, basketball is one of those games which puts you on the clock. Now, I'm a big baseball fan, played college baseball. Baseball is one game that you're not on the clock. That's why some people don't like it. Seems like it never ends for some people. But these games like, like basketball, of course, football, hockey, there's, there's the clock. And the clock is running down. And, and, and uh, you, you have no time to waste. And it's often at the end of quarters or the end of halves or the end of games that the most exciting uh, portion of the game takes place, especially in a, in a great comeback or in, in a push to the end or a full court press. Well, what I'm saying is that if we're going to live like we are dying, it means that we're going to live knowing every day we're on the clock. The, the thing is, we may assume that we've got a lot of time on the clock left, but we don't know that. So we need to make sure that every second counts, that every minute counts, that every moment counts. I like uh, what Jim Elliott wrote in his, uh, his diary, that missionary who was martyred for his faith. You've heard his story many times. We were talking about it uh, earlier back, uh, backstage on the end of the spear, the story of the end of the spear. But Jim Elliott said and prayed and wrote in his diary, Lord, not a long life, but a full one. And that's the prayer that we all ought to pray because life is not made up uh, because of, of the duration of life but be, by the donation of our lives. It's not the duration of life that matters. How, how long but how well we live. And what, what drives us, what motivates us, what calls us to action every day is this sense that, that heaven is our home and therefore we are heaven-hearted. We have the habit... Heaven is the habit of our hearts because we know that to live is Christ and to die is gain. Hey, your best life isn't now. Your best life is yet to come. Your best life is when you are in the presence of the Lord forever and ever and ever. But until this day, you can make every day God's day. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, I know some of you are thinking right now, Man, I'm just trying to get to spring break. Don't be talking to me about death. Maybe, maybe it feels like death right now uh, every day. But what, what ought to drive us is not the alarm clock. You know, that's one of the things I remember about college years, that, that alarm clock. I hated that thing. Threw it across the room a number of times in my college career. Uh, you know, because you don't get much sleep in college, it seems like, and so you, you need the alarm to get up. So maybe what I'm about to say doesn't necessarily apply to a student in the college years, but I, I, I tell you this, I don't want to be driven to get up each day by my alarm clock. I, I don't, I don't want to be just sort of uh, uh, called to life by, by, by that noisy gong ringing in my ear. I want to get up. I want to be, I want to get up with a call upon my life. The call of God to do what he is enabling me to do every single day of my life. This is what I'm talking about, living a life in full. This is the abundant life. To live every day as though it was your last day and to experience life in the full. Uh, anybody here know about John Lennon? See, I'm the Beatle generation. And... Uh, when I, when I was a student in university, of course, the Beatles were a big deal. And John Lennon, of course, was gunned down uh, by a crazed assassin in New York City at the age of 40. 
It was Lenin who said, quoting somebody else actually, but he's given credit for the statement. Uh, it, it, was, it was Lenin who says, life is what happens to you when you're making other plants. You ever heard that? Life is what happens to you when you're making other plants. But I can't help but wonder, did John Lennon also realize that, that death is what happens to you when you're making other plans? That just like this, like that, we can be confronted with an eternity, and what we've done with Christ is the most essential matter in all of eternity, and therefore it's the most important thing in life. What matters most is that we know him and make him known because we are on the clock now I, I don't say this to frighten you the fact that I'm on the clock and you're on the clock shouldn't frighten us we know the Lord what it ought to do is motivate us knowing that life is short that life is brief Billy Graham one of my heroes now almost 90 years of age, greatest evangelist in the history of the Christian church past the New Testament, my view. He was asked several years ago, what is the biggest surprise of your life? Now, Billy Graham's had a lot of great moments and a lot of exciting adventures in life, preaching the gospel, expanding the kingdom. So I was interested, what is the most surprising thing Billy Graham in your life you know what he said the brevity of it or as Billy would say the brevity of it the brevity of life and all of us need to realize it's like your DVR when you're fast forwarding it and I can tell you now that uh, you know I'm a few decades past you I can tell you it doesn't seem that long ago that I was sitting in a Christian college like this one, preparing my life for the future that God has given me, it, it, it's not that long. I know a lot of us up here, you know, who look a lot older and are a lot older, uh, you know, we, we, you think, well, I'm a long way from there. Well, let me tell you something. It's like fast forward on your DVD uh, or on your DVR, and it is here before you know it, and I can say the same thing. So I know that there are times that you just want to veg and you just want to kind of get through the day. But let me tell you, life is too short to waste. Uh, I read a statement the other day that, that, uh, that it's the 80-20 principle of life. You ever heard of the 80-20 principle in life? Maybe you've studied it in business school because it's actually a business concept. And, and the 80-20 principle is this, that 80% of the results and the success we get in life or in business, whatever we're doing, is a result, a direct result. The production is a result of 20% of what we do. It's the 80-20 principle. 80% of the results we get in life, uh, you know, is, is, is a result of, of what we, we do, and 20% is the result. So we don't need to waste our lives. And I think what we need to learn how to do is to get more out of every day because we are Christians and that the 80-20 principle is turned around so that we're not wasting 80% of our life, but we are giving all that we have, the very best that we have, every single day. 
You know, if you visit a cemetery, uh, you probably hadn't done that lately. I actually haven't either. But one thing is common in every cemetery. You see all these tombstones and, and, and headstones and so on of different kinds, some very expensive, some very plain, some very simple. And, of course, there's the name of the individual who's buried there and underneath the birth date and the death date. Now, we don't get to choose the date of our birth, nor do we choose the date of our death. There's a time to be born, the writer of Ecclesiastes says, and there's a time to die. So the death date, the birth date, that is in the hands of God. We didn't choose our parents. We didn't choose where we grew up. Basically, where we were born, we didn't choose that. So much of what we experience in life, we didn't choose. But there's something in common with every one of those tombstones, and that's the little dash in the middle. You know what I'm saying? You know, here, here's a, he, I was born in 1950. So right now, I'm on the dash. And one day, they'll put my death date on the other end of it. But it's that dash in the middle. We do have a choice about what happens there, don't we? And it is in that dash that we have an opportunity in this race of life to do something great for the glory of God. And that is why God has called you to himself. That is why God has placed you here at liberty. That is why God has given so many of you ideas and dreams for the future. But I'm saying the future is right now. What you do, what you live for, how you're going to live your life, that is done today. You can, by God's grace, control that. Our lives are in his hands, but he gives us the opportunity to choose what we do with our lives. Your life is a gift from God, but what you do with your life is your gift back to God. So how's it going on your dash? The psalmist said, Psalm 90 verse 12, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. So now you see why the scripture says to live is Christ and to die is gain. What does that mean? I mean, that's a, that's a great concept. But how do we apply that? To live is Christ. Let me give you, I think, three, three ways that Jesus is our life. Number one, Jesus is the source of life. Life is sacred from the womb to the tomb and beyond because life is God's gift, but not only physical life, but spiritual life. Life in Jesus. He that has the Son has what? Life. He who has not the Son does not have life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except by me. Jesus is life, and therefore... We have a living faith. There's nothing deader than a dead religion. And all the religions of the world are nothing but relics of the past, dead expressions of, of religion, but we have a living faith because we have a living Savior. 
Easter is coming early this year in March in just a few weeks and we're going to gather in our churches and gather across this country and celebrate our risen Redeemer. Ours is not a hopeless end but an endless hope because of what Christ has done for us. So it's vital that you know Jesus as your life. So I don't want to assume anything here this morning, speaking at this you know, incredible place with incredible students. I don't want to assume anything. Do you know the life of Jesus Christ? Because without him, we are dead in our trespasses and sin. Without him, there is no future. There is no hope. If this is your final day, are you certain that when you stand before God that you will live forever with him? How many times did we hear Dr. Falwell say something at the invitation like this? Do today what you'll be so glad you did when you stand before God in eternity. Do you know life in Christ? Jesus is the source of life. And that means not only in salvation, but his life is now in us. Not I. But Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the Christian life. When I, when I was a teenager, I thought the Christian life was all about me, me doing my best. And then I discovered the wonderful power of Christ through the Holy Spirit in my life. Now, 34. 40 years ago, people in Baptist churches weren't talking much about the Holy Spirit. In fact, I grew up in a, in a little town in Arkansas the first 10 years of my life where the only people that talked about the Holy Spirit were in that little rock church down the street. And my daddy told me never to go over there because crazy things were happening, we were told, in that little church talking about the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. And so a lot of us grew up struggling and dealing with temptations and, and all the issues that we all face as human beings. And, and I didn't realize that there is a source of strength, there is a source of life in me, and this is the power and the work of the Spirit of the living Christ who is in us. The greatest secret I've ever learned in the Christian life is the saving life of Christ. I mean by that, in fact, I read a book written by a fellow by the name of Major Ian Thomas that was a life-changing book for me as a young Christian, a British preacher named Ian Thomas. And the book's title was The Saving Life of Christ. Most of us think about the saving death of Christ, what he did for us at the cross. That's glorious. But because of the resurrection, we now know the saving life, the risen life of Christ in us. This is the life that I'm talking about. And this is the life that moves me and motivates me and gets me going every single day. Jesus Christ is the source of our lives. But not only that, Jesus is the strength of our lives. When we say to live is Christ, uh, that means his strength is in us. Paul talked about this in this same letter, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, that's a message you hear at Liberty again and again, and I'm so glad. This, this is why this is a great university, sending young men and women into all walks of life to make a difference for Christ. You know why? Because this is a can-do place. Some of us have grown up, people telling us what we can't do. 
Some of you have grown up never thinking of, of, of beyond what you could do if, you, if, if God really had all your life. A great Christian of yesteryear once heard a man preach who said, the world is yet to see what God could do with one man totally committed, consecrated to him. And that young man by the name of Dwight Moody said, by God's grace, I'll be that man. Why? Because we have a can-do Christianity. Jesus is living in us. And there is nothing by God's power that we cannot do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ if we will believe him and trust him. Why don't we stop limiting God by what somebody else told us what we could do or what we couldn't do? Why don't we start believing God and trusting that the Savior who is in us will enable us and to empower us to do everything that he's called us to do and to make a difference in our generation for him? The Bible says... The Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. From the book of Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Now just turn that around for just a moment. That tells me that if it is in joy, the joy of the Lord that I have my strength. Paul said in Philippians 4, once again in prison, not in, not, not in church, rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice. So under the most miserable of circumstances, they're just wasting away in a Philippian jail or, or in a Roman jail writing to the Philippians. Wasting away there, he said, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. The joy of the Lord is our strength, you see. That's why Satan comes along and he wants to steal our joy. Because if he can steal our joy, we lose our strength. Our joy is in the Lord. So our sor the source of our strength is in the Lord. The source of our life is in the Lord. There's one final word that I want to give you. Jesus is the source of life, the strength of life. He is the satisfaction of life. You're looking at a man who is totally satisfied. Uh, the anthem theme of my generation coming out of the 60s it's been voted the most popular rock song of all times. I can't get no satisfaction. Yeah, baby. I feel it, dog. I tried and I tried and I tried and I tried, but I can't get no satisfaction. And you know, when I look at my own generation, coming out of the 60s, the rebellion of the 60s and so on. You know, we, we for the most part are still a very unsatisfied, all the, all the baby boomers are, you know, we, we, we now went to, you know, from, 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 you know, marching down streets and rebellion to, to, to working in businesses and entrepreneurialism, and yet we're still saying we can't get no satisfaction. That's why so many of your parents have struggled in their lives. They can't find satisfaction if they don't know Christ. I'm telling you, you're looking at a man who is completely and totally satisfied. Not because life has always been great, every day has been perfect, it hasn't. But because I know a Savior who changes everything, circumstances, behavior, plans, and yet he's always working everything for good. 
And even when we're weak and we're tired and we wonder, can I get up another day and go? They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, run and not be weary, walk and not faint. I want to tell you that life really shouldn't be measured by the number of breaths you take, but by the number of breathtaking moments you make for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm here to say today, don't waste this time that you have here. I know some of it is just routine. And you feel like you can get in a rut just trying to get to class, pass the test, get on with your life. But let me remind you, this is your life. God has you here by his purpose and his will right now. Don't wait to make a difference. Hear the call of God, whether it's to serve him as a butcher, a baker, or a candlestick maker, a missionary, or a teacher, whatever God has called you to do. But make sure that you're living life in the full because that's the only thing that's going to satisfy. I'm telling you, if I had a million lives to live, I'd live every one of them for Jesus. That's how I feel about him. You look at a man who's not ashamed to tell you, I love Jesus. Whom we have not seen, we love. So to live is Christ. And when you can say that, you're ready for when he comes for you. He breaks through and returns today, you'll be ready. He takes you home to be with him. He comes for you today, you'll be ready. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Now, if you can't say to live is Christ, you can't say to die is gain. Because if you don't live for Christ, everything in death ends up a loss. Even if you are a believer, you can lose your reward. I don't want the, you know, the, the concession prize when I get to heaven. I don't want to be an also-ran in life. I want to know that I can live my life without reserve, without regrets, and without retreat. And that's what I'm challenging you to do every single day, to live like you're dying for the glory of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. We thank you, O oh Lord, for your love for us, for the cross, for the resurrection, for the power of Jesus to forgive our sins, to change our lives, and then give us a reason to live. Thank you that every day can be your day. And, Lord, we don't want to waste a moment. We want to make moments count for you, breathtaking moments that can change us, our families, our friends, our world. I pray that every student, every faculty member, every administrator, person, staff here, Lord, everyone within the sound of our voice today would be encouraged and strengthened in your word, the words of the great apostle who said to live is Christ, to die is gain. We want to live like we're dying and to contribute back, to give back what you have given us so abundantly. Lord, we give you our lives and pray that you will use us from now through eternity. In Jesus' name, amen.